Yeah, which I already said. Thanks for regurgitating my notes, gets- oh, Steph. <laughs> oh, are we fight? Are we fighting? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, buddy. I'm sorry, I don't remember Josh Richardson. I know that his stats are impressive. Yeah, in the last ten games, he's averaging fourteen, shooting sixty percent from the field. <laughs> wow. See, Evan wasn't totally listening too. <laughs> yeah. No, well, wait, is that what you just said? Yeah. Oh fuck. <laughs> Let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to bumping, cause it's real brave the time. David Ritson is jumping now! Alright, everybody, welcome to the 28th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin, live from Rip City, and I got my man, Sage. 28 episodes, my friend. That is, that is an accomplishment. We are almost as old as I am, so we're getting up there. I know, man. And I'm, hey, this is the first podcast where I'm officially 25 years old, so, Ladao. And post-birthday podcast, we also have a special guest. Uh, Evan McCarthy is joining us. You might know him on Twitter as EvanMPDX, uh, putting out all the fire designs that your heart desires and putting on that early Christmas, uh, list. Evan, how's it going tonight? Doing well. Feeling really good after that, uh, the ass kicking of the Kings tonight. So it it's was a, nice. Yeah. Uh, great, great time to record a podcast when you've got this win and then we got a few days before the Boston game. So yeah, that's dedication. We just watched the game podcasting month. We stick to our schedule, folks. We're putting this out just for you uh, about 938 at night, but you know, we're ready. We're ready to go. We might uh, forget a game or two, but hey, we're here. We're ready. So Evan, do you have any? playoff designs in, in the works. I know the Dame Time tees have kind of uh, caught like wildfires, but anything else in the mix or in the mix for uh, April? Yeah, you know, I've I've thought about doing some different colorways um with some of the Dame Time stuff. I have some other Portland-based designs I was thinking about coming out with more blazer colors. The problem is I've got uh, a lot of capital wrapped up right now. I've got a project coming out later this month that's kind of outside of what I do. It's a, a hat collection um, that I'm doing. I'm collaborating with uh, a, a good buddy now of mine that I've met through with this whole process. And so money is going to be tied up in that, and that's going to be the end of April. And then I'm also started a side clothing company with my good friend called Wolf Odie, which we've been starting to release stuff Um so Evanem's a Portland-based company. Wolf Odie's just more lifestyle, more um, broad, not specific to Portland. Um, but there are some designs I've been looking at for sure, and there are some actual. I have some an update to one of my Rip City designs. If we were to somehow fall to the eight seed and play the Warriors, I've got a really cool design, but I don't want to come out with it yet. I'll come out with it eventually, but I don't want to come out with it this soon because that means that we would fall to the eight seed. Well. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it will be, you know, flames. And we dropped our logo this week, courtesy of Evan. So if you notice, we updated, you know, all the social, the Facebook, Twitter, the Gram, SoundCloud to the new Holy Backboard logo. Uh, worked with Evan on it. Think it looks fantastic. Really love that alternate logo that we're displaying right now on, on Insta. And uh, just wanted to say big thank you for helping us design that logo, my friend. Oh, it was, it was my pleasure. Um, I love doing that stuff. I'm not a classically trained graphic designer. I've literally learned on the fly over the past few years. So I always look for opportunities like this to kind of 
you know, help some friends out and also expand what I'm normally do. So, um, it was my pleasure. Sage, I think the next step is we need to have at least a t-shirt out by the start of next season. And he needs to design my Sage Audio Productions logo. Eventually. Oh, both of these. I can, I'll help you guys out with both of those. Yeah, man. Sage Audio Productions is coming out with some fire in the next few months. Some fire. That's, that's what I'm talking about. No, yeah, keep, keep me in the loop for sure. Oh, we'll do. We'll do. But uh, back to the Blazers. They picked up a relatively easy 105-93 victory over the eight uh, the shorthanded Kings who only had eight men in uniform. They sat Bellinelli, Gay, Cousins, Rondo. If there was a good Kings player, he was sitting tonight. And the score really wasn't indicative of how dominant Portland looked, especially after that first quarter. Uh, they gave up 32 first quarter points over the course of those, uh, the second and third quarters, just 31 points combined. You could tell they weren't focused over the first 12 minutes, but they really locked in which was great to see, especially after, you know, that colossal collapse, that near disaster against the Sixers. It was nice to see, you know, the Blazers be able to rest a lot of the starters and give guys like Cliff Alexander and Luis Montero, you know, meaning not meaningful minutes, but actual real game minutes. And the biggest one of the night, Lillard plays 28, McCollum plays 24. Sage, what did you like tonight about tonight's victory? I mean, it was the it was dominating from end to end. Um, I mean, the one thing I didn't like was I thought CJ McCollum was going to do extra work against the Kings in Fandle. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it was a, I don't know, I, I, you can't take that much from a team that's that decimated and that, about that tank life. There's not much you can just, like, there's not much you can take from it other than, that's a good win, we got to rest some starters. Yeah, what what did you think about that game, Evan? Yeah, so I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of games where we come out and play well when Dame isn't asked to do much early on. I like games where he comes out and kind of distributes the ball and then he kind of finds his way into a game. And I know like people that are do fantasy or are really into stats don't like games like, oh, Dame shot four for 99, 13 points. But I like those games where he doesn't have to exert himself too much and we don't have to rely on him. And obviously... You know, we had, what, five or six guys, six guys in double figures tonight. So um, I love love those type of games where we don't need to rely on him. The ball mo- movement was insane. Uh, interior defense was good. Obviously, we had a ton of blocks. Um, so, yeah, and I, I like that Mo Harkless is coming into his own as a starter now. I know earlier in the season, I liked his play, but I feel like because he wasn't getting consistent minutes, he was having a hard time finding a rhythm. But now that he's starting, I feel like uh, he, he's starting to find a rhythm. Yeah, you hit on a lot of good uh, talking points. The Blazers tied a season high with 10 blocks tonight, had seven of those in the first half. Even when they weren't playing the best of defense in that first quarter, they still were disrupting uh, the Kings. And they shared the ball fantastically. That first half, they had 16 assists on 25 made buckets, ended up with 25 assists on 38 field goals. Uh, you can't ask for much more than that. And Mo Harkless totally set the tone for the offense early on. He had 10 first quarter points on four or five shooting in just 10 minutes. That move where he got the ball on the right wing, spin move around Willie Cauley-Stein for that two-handed jam. Love or hate Myers Leonard, Myers Leonard can't do that. And that's what Mo Harkless gives you. And that's what Sage and I have been, you know, just waiting for, for Terry just to play this guy because he has talent. He's a perfect small ball four. And he even hit his three tonight, which I think will only 
uh, get more consistent over time. Sage, do you think Mo Harkless, can he be the starting four as the Blazers go into the playoffs? I think it has to be matchup dependent. You can't put him against some lumbering four, but against most matchups, he looks really good. But I think it has to be matchup dependent. So if they go up against OKC, are you thinking, you know, start Von Lay? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just size, man. The small, the smaller teams, you know, struggle against getting those rebounds, and that's important. And we did. We we struggled early on. Um, in that first quarter, we allowed five offensive rebounds. We allowed the Kings to shoot fourteen of twenty nine uh, from the field. They had twenty points in the paint and eleven second chance points, and that was with a, a small lineup against a team that was really throwing out Quincy Acey, Costa Kufos, and you know Willie Cauley Stein. Not exactly. Enos Cantor, Nick Collison, Stephen Adams, uh, Serge Ibaka of, of the world. So the small ball definitely gives Portland its, its, its advantages, but there's also uh, a lot of opportunities for the other team to take advantage of the Trailblazers. But one player I want to call out who had a fantastic game was Alan Crabb. 21 points, 8 of 10 shooting, 3 of 4 from deep, 4 assists. In 21 minutes, uh, he was the pick to click. Evan... Do you think he can finally become consistent and kick this, you know, two and a half month shooting slump? Or is this what Alan Crabb is, just an inconsistent uh, score off the bench for the Trailblazers? No, I mean, I think he can. I think it depends on what type of rhythm the offense is in when he comes into the game. Um, you saw tonight in the first quarter, the ball's flying around the per- perimeter. Guys are hitting threes. I mean, Aminu hits some big threes early on. Harkless hit one. And CJ had hit some threes as well. So I think when he comes in, like, goes with the flow of the offense he can um see I, I think he can it'll be interesting to see what happens beyond just this regular season postseason and next year him being a free agent and gerald henderson kind of being a free agent what they kind of do with that i i'm a huge alan crab fan i loved him in summer league this last year before he got hurt coming into the season um but i thought he had a lot to offer and i think he could be a good value player moving forward but with games like tonight i mean he's driving up his asking price this offseason yeah, I think his asking price is going to be determined over the playoffs. Like CJ, like Myers, they essentially made their money last postseason. Myers could have cashed in on a big payday, decided not to. CJ rolled that into a starting uh, spot, likely most improved player award, and a huge payday next offseason. I think this is a huge, huge playoff for a guy like Alan Crabb, Mo Harkless, you know, Portland might not win. I don't think it necessarily matters. We're not going to win the championship this year, but we need to see what type of players we have. And for all, all the bad things that happened against Memphis, a lot of good came out of it because we found a bona fide star in CJ McCollum. Uh, I'm not looking for the same type of production out of Alan Crabb, but if he can just become a little bit more consistent, he just has such a pure jump shot. You wonder why it's not going in more often. Uh, reminds me a little too much of Martel Webster, who nearly the exact same player. Um, same size, same type of game, just so inconsistent. I, re- I remember sitting up in the Rose Garden seeing Martell go off for 24 points in one quarter against the Utah Jazz, uh, during that, that winning streak of 07 08. I think the next game he didn't, maybe scored like five or six points. So that's kind of what we're seeing with Crab. Yes, he is young, but it's not like he came out of high school either. So, um, he does have a lot of experience. So I, I'm not, Saying the playoffs are a make or break for him, but it might be make or break for his Blazer tenure. 
because he is restricted and teams are going to have a ton of money to throw at free agents this this offseason. And you know there's a GM who sees that potential in Crab. And then he just fits the profile so well of a uh, DN3 small forward. Been Went to college for a long time, wasn't highly drafted because of he didn't have tremendous value, long, huge wingspan. That's the profile of a DN3 small forward. So someone's going to notice that and offer him a contract. So it, it, it all depends on how well he does in the, the playoffs. So I agree with you on that point. Yeah, and moving on, uh, earlier in the week, on the weekend, the Blazers, I don't even know what adjective to put in front of this victory, uh, beat the lowly 76ers 108 to 105. I believe we were up, what, 16 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, they were playing without their two best players, Nerlens Noel and Jewel Okafor. Yet it took a trapped C.J. McCollum and one bucket in the closing seconds to, to beat a 9-1 Sixers team. I don't think I've ever been as upset about a victory as I, I was that night. Just a complete lack of focus and intensity from the Blazers. And fortunately, I think they used it as a teaching moment because they came um, in tonight against the Kings, against a similarly talented team, and kind of laid the wood to them. So you don't want to see the Blazers play so like lackadaisical, but at least they used it to uh, move on and learn from it. But we know the real reason they lost. The Kings? No, the Sixers. We they know. have no reason to tank, though. There's no... They, no, 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 no. Sage Curse. It's, it's me. It was Jeremy Grant. Oh, that's right, Sage. So, Sage talks up players all the damn time, and I was just praying Sage. Can you talk up Jeremy Grant? Talk him up, talk him up. He goes up there, says, and he misses two clutch free throws. I was like, thank you, G. <laughs> so, Five for ten from the free throw line, yes. Yeah. I, 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 I love Jeremy Grant. Where is he out of? I don't... Syracuse. Oh, okay. His dad yeah. was Harvey Grant. And his brother... Oh, oh. Right? Yep. And it's now with the Knicks. Yep. So, yeah. I, I really like him. So... Knowing that I really liked him, he was going to suck or lose the game for the Sixers. That's, I mean, it's, it's happened for Denzel Valentine, Otto Porter. I, that, it's a long list of people I've screwed over in my fandom. So it, it's starting to become a habit, not just some random occurrence. Yeah, that's the one nice thing about playing the Sixers, that you will learn about a handful of players that you did not know about before. Yeah, man. Because they they uh they bring out some some dudes. I mean, the, I knew Ish Smith was kind of a baller. Yeah. And he had he had a hell of a game. He was one assist shy from a triple double. But I mean, Kyle Landry. Oh God. I mean, I must admit that night I was out with some friends and I had a few a few cocktails and I just remember we were up big and then I look up late in the fourth quarter. I'm like, what the hell is going on right now? Yeah, the fourth quarter was a, a nightmare of epic proportions. Portland started two for eighteen. The Sixers had an 18 to 1 run, including back to back threes, I think from Robert Covington to put him up three. At this point, I'm just like, just lose the game. Like, you don't deserve to win this well, game, and, Blazers. And we lost by like 30 earlier near to them, didn't we? Or we yeah, lost they by- just counted us by 25. I don't even think we led in that game. It was a wire to wire, just ass kicking. So if anything, you would have thought they would have came out with some revenge. You know, we're in the midst of this, this playoff chase right now. We could easily be in ninth. We could easily be in fifth. You cannot take winnable games lightly, especially when there's only a handful left. And that Ed Davis on the that Ed Davis thing on the radio, man, 
If you're going to say that's an easy victory, you better yeah. beat the shit out of them, man. Let's let's go back to that. So it all started, it was a Friday night, and CJ tar- uh, tweeted about his radio show. I sent him a tweet back saying, hey, are you going to have any Tribe Called Quest? You know, unfortunately, Fife Dog, rest in peace, passed away. He's like, yeah, we're going to have, you know, electric relaxation, a war tour. Like, all right, I'm going to go play some 2K, bring my laptop in, in the bedroom, and, and hear this show. Well, he had Ed Davis on as a guest, and towards the end of the show, they were talking about, you know, the game, and Ed's like, yeah, we got this easy one coming up tomorrow night against the Sixers. Oh. And I wasn't, I wasn't about to put him on blast on Twitter because I figured the people listening to the show probably aren't super diehard fans. They're just into hip-hop, maybe just like the Blazers a little bit. No reason to stir up any controversy. That's not what I'm here to do. But I thought it was... Uh, you know, I, I think Ed got away with one there because that could have blown up and, and bit him in the ass, especially if Portland had lost. But they didn't. Hopefully, you know, he learned his lesson. But I think that just goes to show you that's what the players were thinking going into it, and you just can't. And that's what separates the, the good from the great teams is they know they got to come in and just show no mercy and let them know right off the bat this is not going to be a victory for you tonight. Yeah, man. And trust me, I've said some shit on Portland radio that's gotten me in a lot of trouble, man. You gotta be careful when you call stuff out like that. Yeah, man. So, Ed, that's, hey, you got lucky, but don't, don't say that stuff on the radio. People are listening. I well, mean- at least Ed backed it up. He had 13 boards in 25 minutes. And while it shouldn't have came down to a game winning shot, that's CJ's second that he's hit in the month of March. He had that, not game-winning, but he forced overtime against the Wizards. This was a game-winner against the Sixers. Uh, 25 points, you know, got to the line six times, hit them all, five assists and five steals. So that's a big moment for a young player like CJ. Um, but, you know, Dame just couldn't get it going. And I was watching uh, Talk of Ball after the game, uh, as I do sometimes, especially if I'm upset. And Jason Quick and Dwight James, who I don't normally agree with, had a fantastic point. When does Portland start to look to rest Damian Lillard? And um, I completely agree with that. I thought they should have rested him tonight, uh, even without the Kings saying, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, sit our our whole team." Uh, we beat them once before without Dame. You know, CJ kind of went uh, nuclear at thirty-five, and I thought it would make the rest of the players focus and dial in a little bit more if they knew he wasn't there. But this season's more than just making the playoffs. We got to keep Dame healthy. And if he's looking tired, that's, I think we really got to be watching his minutes heading into the playoffs. Don't you think Sage? And I mean, dude was dealing with what I assume is pretty hurt ribs after that Robert Covington foul. He's dealing with a lot of ailments. Isn't he still sick? He's been fighting a, a, a cold, a head cold, I believe since the Toronto game, which is about three and a half weeks ago. Uh, you mentioned the elbow to the chest from, or the, the knee to the chest on that, that block charge call, uh, by Covington. And then he rolls both ankles in that Dallas game, uh, in Dallas. And I think he did it again against the Clippers, but you can just tell that he, he doesn't have it because you look ever since that game where he rolled the ankles in Dallas, he shoots eight of 26. Uh, the next game against Dallas, just nine of 19. Against the Clippers, four of sixteen. Against the Sixers, six of twenty. Um, so he's not even really coming close to that fifty percent. 
And those are just signs of being tired. And, and Evan, would you have sat Dame down or at least look at sitting him down coming down the stretch? Um, tonight, I don't know if I would have tonight against, uh, a, I, I know there's a shorthand Kings team. I mean, you say they had eight players. They have like seven and a half because Karan Butler is like at this stage in his career, like a half player out there. But I mean, he was like an autopilot tonight, right? Like I, I don't feel like he was exerting himself too much. Uh, I thought he played the right amount of minutes and I thought that he distributed the ball very well early and took shots when he needed to. Uh, it, it is one of those things. And you know, every player is going to say, no, I want to play. I want to play. But you knew it, you know, it would bug him if you sat him down. Not to it, say that it, it, it should bug him. I, I want that out of him. I don't want a player being like, yeah, you know, I'm taking the night off. But as a fan who, you know, got an up close and personal look at Wesley Matthews during his career with the Trailblazers, um, constantly fighting injuries and not resting. And then it, it really caused, it caused him to miss a chunk of a season. And this isn't even the Achilles, just he missed a chunk of the season, I think two or three years ago, because he had that Iron Man mantra and always wanted to play. And while I appreciate that, like, I wish more players had that type of commitment to the game. It's a detriment to his body, and it's. I think it's just too short term. Uh, we got to play the long game with Dame. You yeah. Know, Dame, Damon Stoudemire uh, was recently interviewed, I think, on 1080 The Fan, and he mentioned that the Blazers need to get Dame some help. Like he can see it because he used to be a guy who had to carry a team, especially with the Raptors. And he said doing that night in and night out takes a toll, and you're taking years off your body. He says I got a couple of those years back when I went to Portland, and we had that stacked team. But the Blazers need to be careful that they're not overworking Lillard because he is literally carrying that team this year, you know, crazy surpassing expectations. So that's what I'm looking for. Like this season's been fun. I think everything we get from here on out is gravy. We need to worry about next year and the year after with Dame because that's when we can really start making some noise. Without a doubt. Yeah. If, I mean, if you want to talk about sitting him looking at the schedule, I mean, if he plays, so he'll probably play Thursday against Boston, Saturday against Miami, and then. You got Golden State and then Sacramento. I mean, why not sit against Golden State and then Sacramento again? Um, if, if, if you if you can go to no, wait, what I was would that? definitely sit him against Golden. There's no way you're beating Golden State. No, so just sit him. I mean, and yeah, so you could sit him there, especially if they go one and one against Boston, Miami. Those are two really tough games coming up. Um, and then you got Sacramento, OKC, and then the, the last two games of the season are Minnesota, Denver. But the problem is we're so close um, in the pack. Uh, I mean, the way that Oklahoma City's playing right now, I almost wouldn't want to play them in the first round. I mean, they won eight straight, and Russell Westbrook looks like a freak out there. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm not advocating for sitting him multiple games. I think his minutes should be monitored like they were tonight, which is good, but there's got to be just a game where you can just let him catch his breath. And I thought tonight would have been perfect because we do not play until Thursday, so you're essentially giving him almost a week off. Uh, we've seen what Dame can do, especially coming off of an all-star break. Uh, what he did to the Warriors after that, after that week long, uh, break, uh, 51 points on, on the defending champs. That's what I, I would rather Dame be rested up and for the playoffs. I know any team we play is going to be an uphill climb in the playoffs. If it's, you know, a slight, if it's a fatigued Dame, but maybe a six seed, I'll take a fully rested Dame against an eight seed because to be honest, it's going to be, you know, a, a, it would take a minor miracle, a major miracle to knock off any of those top three teams in the West. So, I'd rather give it the best shot, and I think a healthy Dame and a rested Dame, a rested Dame gives us the best shot. Yes, yeah. yeah. S- sitting at Golden State might be tough. I just realized because he loves playing in, in Oakland. 
and that game's in. So maybe, I don't know, rest them on Saturday against Miami. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I Sacramento because they're obviously tanking. Minnesota's obviously tanking, and Denver's obviously tanking. So I would rest them against. I think Boston and Miami are probably the two most important games left on the schedule. I wouldn't rest them there. Um, I think Golden State's the one back to back. Yeah, but Golden State would be the game I would look at just because there's probably like a one percent probability of winning that one. But let's keep keep on with the week that was. Talk about a heartbreaker. Portland drops uh, a 96-94 game in Los Angeles to the Clippers on a J.J. Redick game winner. Portland was up seven with three minutes to go. We're up three with like 40 seconds to go. Uh, I think the game turned when Terry Stotts decided to intentionally foul DeAndre Jordan when we were up seven to three minutes to go. Why on earth do you do that? Not only is the clock stopping... But he goes up and makes both. At the very worst, or excuse me, you expect him probably to make at least one. But why do you want that clock to stop? The clock is your friend. Let the, if they score two points, that's fine. But make them take 20 or 30 seconds. Those 20 or 30 seconds would have forced overtime and you could have maybe won the game there. But I just thought that was a very poor strategy. And hopefully he learns from that. I had no idea what he was doing. And then that message got relayed to Mo Harkless, who, tried to do it to DeAndre, but Chris Paul was smart enough and stepped in and took the foul. So we we gave them four points without them having to use more than four seconds on that clock. Mm -hmm. Chris Paul is a smart guy, man. I don't know. I feel like Terry hasn't had a good few weeks of uh, decision-making. It it was good for the, the psyche and the fan base to see them beat the shit out of those kings. But, man, those last few weeks... There have been some questionable decisions. I mean, I know it's tough. It's easy for us as fans and as observers to see after the fact. But, man, it's just been piling up with questionable decisions. And it's on the games that we need to have. We haven't beat a team over 500 since the Indiana Pacers back on February 28th. Uh, We had that Dallas game at the end. We had this Clippers game. We've got to start beating the the teams ahead of us, or at least the teams we're fighting with. One thing you give Portland credit for, they're not losing to the teams they, you know, the poor teams. They're, they're handling their business there, but just just going to the playoffs, you'd like to see them win one game uh, against a good team, which is why this week presents, you know, a great challenge because all three teams are going to be, be tough. But, uh, you know, that Clipper game, it just seems so winnable, even from the beginning, because... uh Los Angeles started off so so cold. They they shot just eight of twenty four uh, in in that first quarter, one of seven from three. You know Portland couldn't really do much to take advantage of it. They were only up three after one, um, actually down seven at the break. But you just had that feeling that the Clippers weren't in regular Clipper mode, and it was going to be a fight to the finish. For whatever reason, as soon as we fouled DeAndre. The Clippers, I think they scored in every single position, possession down the stretch. And uh, it, it got them charged up. And I'm sure they're tired of seeing their guy getting hacked. And they take it as a sign of disrespect. So um, just like we do when teams do it to Ed Davis and Mason Plumley, So that probably got them charged up. Um, just a poor decision. And it could have cost Portland a chance at the fifth seed if, if we look back at the season. And that's one of the games where you're like, ah, I wish they would have had that one. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that that was what was so frustrating about the game was that when I was watching it, 
I felt that Dame wasn't having a very good game, and CJ was playing all right, but he wasn't getting a lot of shots up. And I just assumed that we were going to lose that game. And then it's frustrating because there are some games where you think you're going to lose or you're, getting, you're just getting beat and you're getting beat badly. But then you look up in the fourth quarter and you're like, oh, my God, we're up by seven. So this is what good teams do. They play poorly, but they can still win. Like, this is a sign of a good team. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned the decision-making. I mean, they had a timeout with that inbounds with 11 seconds left or however much time was left. And they threw it into Mo Harkless. And then he had, like, a running weird layup that wasn't even close. Uh, you had a timeout there you could have called. I, I believe they did. We did have a timeout. I th- That was another thing that kind of frustrated me is, like, we had a timeout. Ed Davis has the ball. Just, just call timeout. Or Terry, just yell timeout. Because Ed, for all the good things that Ed Davis does, you don't want him handling the ball in the closing seconds. And you can't blame Mo Harkles either because he's not used to getting the ball in those those or in those um, situations either. Um, it was just pretty much a huge cluster. And everything that could go wrong went wrong for the Blazers. Um, you know... Like, like you, um, like you said, Evan, we play terrible when we're still in a position to win, but we still miss too many free throws, 24 of 32. And, uh, CJ just, excuse me, not CJ, Portland just had no answer for Jamal Crawford. He was just in one of those, those nights, especially that deep three to tie it. I really thought Portland was going to win that game. Dame had that sick and one follow, followed up with that three from the right wing. You know, it was Lillard time. We thought we had it wrapped up and then. I don't think Stotts did do the right thing. We didn't foul for possession because he, there was 40 seconds left, and Jamal is taking what 30 foot three. Um, just happened to go in, and uh, it, you know, you win some, you lose some. And I guess you have to chalk it up to that. Yeah, I mean, all that being said, I want to play the Clippers so badly in the first round if we could somehow catch Memphis. Oh, without a doubt, man. Especially with Blake coming back, because you're going to start getting those well. Were they better without him? Are they better with him? And I, obviously they're better with him, but there are, there are weird chemistry issues with that team. And it starts with Doc Rivers and, and Chris Paul and all those guys. Um, God, I would love to play them in the first round. Yeah. And, and you're right. That was, <clears throat> if, if I would have told you that the Blazers shot 32 of 80, which is 40% and just six of 24, which is 25% from three in Los Angeles against the Clippers, we're probably talking about, what, a 15, 17-point Clipper victory? I mean, there's no way Portland could win with that poor of shooting. But I thought they played pretty good defense for about 46 and a half minutes. Um, so they are making strides. It was a game you want to win, but not, you know, young teams don't usually hang around, you know, playoff contending teams playing that poorly. So that that was a good sign, in my opinion, if we're trying to find uh, silver linings. And then the the first game of the week, Sage, I believe I correctly predicted all games correctly this week, didn't I? If I was you're three, bringing it up, yeah. I was three and <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. So Sage Curse is real. He thought we would beat the Clippers on his birthday. We didn't. Uh, we actually lost on the game-winning shot, so Sage Curse, very real. I had the Blazers beating the Mavericks. They did so uh, 109 to 103. Must-win game. And I think they they did a pretty good job. I thought they could have beat Dallas by more. I still am not sold on, on Dallas. I think they're going to be the team that gets left out of the playoffs, especially with Darren Williams, who is hurt now. We all know Chandler Parsons didn't play. He's got the knee uh, injury. Yeah, Parsons done for the year. Yep. But I got to give credit uh, to Terry Stotts. We ragged on him 
last podcast, but he did a nice job of hedging on the pick and roll. He actually put Al Farouk Aminu on Dirk Davitsky, who is, you know, long and agile and athletic enough to recover and, and make life tough for Dirk. Uh, you know, Dirk still got his, his 21 points and nine rebounds, but where the Blazers won this game was they held Darren Williams to just 12 points on four or 15 field goals instead of him having his 30 point, uh, average, which he had the previous two games. The Mavericks were in this game because of Wesley Matthews. I swear this guy is only shooting threes good against us. Sage, do you think that's the case? Just he sees Portland on the schedule and has that extra motivation? I think that and the fact that uh, the Dallas offense is more geared towards him since they have to they have to make up for Parsons' production. We, if you feel slighted against your former team, man, I think that's a little extra motivation. I love that the Blazer fans still uh, booed Raymond Felton after all these oh, years. He's going to get booed for life. That's an auto-boo. It's an auto-boo, okay. <laughs> that Raymond mi- gets the Darius Miles treatment. That might be the title, the auto-boo. Auto-boo. <laughs> when, he steps, when he steps foot in Portland, not just the arena in Portland, that's an auto-boo. No, but Wesley, so I, I saw this crazy Wesley Matthews stat a few weeks ago. I don't know if you guys saw this, but... It was a stat where it was like, of qualifying players who've had shot X amount of times this year, so, you know, no scrub bench guys. Kobe Bryant, not shockingly, had the worst field goal percentage in the NBA this year. That's not a shock. Wesley Matthews was the second worst field yeah, goal he's percentage. Not, he is not shooting well, which is why I was so surprised that he was draining him in Dallas and then drained him against us. He was, I believe he had four of six from threes this year, and I did. I looked it up. He's only shooting thirty-five percent from from three. So um, it must have been the case of Portland's defense, you know, a overcompensating for the Dirk and Darren pick and roll, and b he's having some motivation uh, against his former team. But it was nice to see Portland get out and push the tempo on a older Mavericks team. We had eight eight zero fast break points in the first quarter. Um, our hustle players, Maurice Harkless and Ed Davis, combined for 17 of our 28 first quarter points. And free throw line. I think Dallas had something like 31 attempts in that game uh, last Sunday. Uh, Portland held them to just 11, got to the line 25 times themselves, made 22. Like the great Bill Shomley says, you've got to make your free throws. Portland did. They did all the things they needed to win from this game. The one nitpicking thing I have, in my notes was there's just too many lazy passes from Lillard and, and from Lillard. Uh, CJ does it too, but Dame had seven turnovers and a lot of those led to Dallas buckets, which made this game closer than it should. Uh, those two just need to tighten up their passes. They get a little, um, lackadaisical with them sometimes and that kind of frustrates me. So I mentioned, uh, Damon Stoudemire in a segment ago about, about the Kings. He was on, uh, 1080 the fan, I, I believe, uh, doing an interview and, a question got thrown out there about 30 for 30 and would he ever do one about, you know, the early, early 2000s Blazers better known to the rest of the basketball world as the JL Blazers. And without saying as such, he actually confirmed that the one is in the works and that quote, the people that you want to hear from will be interviewed on this 30 for 30. Uh, I want to get both of your thoughts on this. Sage, you were kind of an outsider at the time. Evan, I'm sure you were a diehard like I was. I'm hyped for it, but I'm depressed as hell because every time any highlight reel shows the Kobe to Shaq game seven alley-oop, I look away. I flip that channel. I've never seen that highlight since that game. I've never seen the entire fourth quarter from 
that game seven. I, I sometimes I'll watch it up to like the six minute mark, turn it off after that. <laughs> so I'm depressed to see some, see some of that because that was the most heartbreaking game of my um, life that I've ever witnessed. Oh yeah, it's up there. And actually, I just saw a tweet. There's a um, kind of breaking news, so it's not going to be a thirty for thirty. And it makes sense. So Bill Simmons, who used to work for ESPN in Grantland, he was started the 30 for 30s mm-hmm. or helped help co-produce it. He had always said that that was a top five documentary that he wanted to do, but that because ESPN has a relationship with NBA, that they would never be able to do it. So HBO is actually the one who's producing it. And Bill Simmons now works for HBO. Oh, so, you know, so if you got HBO, Evan, I, I might have to come over for a watch party. Oh. A- absolutely so now it makes sense right so he it was a top five 30 for 30 he always wanted to do they would never do it now he's an hbo and now it looks like hbo is gonna be the one who's doing this documentary they can tell the real shit too on hbo mm-hmm. sure yeah they don't have a relationship with the nba well also there's no censorship i mean hardly any uh so you know when you get rashid up there you, um I it, I hope they tell some stories. I would love to love to know all that stuff. Yeah, but you know what's going to happen. It's they're going to have the a some of the local a hole writers that are on there that I can't stand. Oh, <laughs> oh. yeah, you remember this story with the whole Twitter thing a few weeks ago. I have a good story. Yeah, you need to you need to share the lo- you 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 teased it very well. All right, well let's let's get through the let's talk about this first, and then we'll we'll get to it afterwards. Um. <laughs> But it, it'll be interesting to see who they talk to. Um, I mean, do, will she say anything? I don't know. Obviously, Damon sounds like he's going to be a part of it. Damon uh, sounds almost almost like a ringleader in it. And I don't think they would put this team in too bad of a light. I don't know why they would do that to themselves. So my understanding is there probably will be some journalistic um, interviews. But I, I think those might be at the minimum. I think they might keep it. Play related. Again, I haven't seen any from the HBO segment, only going off of what I know from the 30 for 30 uh, kind of style of documentary. So it'll definitely be interesting to see. I, I kind of want to know what went on in the locker room, like after Sabonis got that towel thrown in his face. I mean, we've heard of all of the locker room stories, like Sheed throwing the basketball cross court at practice, knocking out Ruben Boomshay Boomshay. Uh, I mean, God, J.R. Ryder. Uh, I want to. I just want to know. Oh, you know, like uh, Sebastian Telfair got caught at the airport with a gun, and the reason he said he had it was because he was convinced that Zach Randolph's boys were out to get him. That's why he he carried a gun with him everywhere he went. Uh, and after Zach Randolph one time punched Ruben Patterson's eye socket, he stayed at Quintel Woods' house because he was scared for retribution. Like, there are some insane stories about all of them. Yeah, and I think they need to come to light. I also. What was I thinking about? Damon, he also made a great point, and I think it really is the right sentiment with the rest of Rip City, is he was kind of pissed off at Trader Bob. Like, what the hell are you doing trading Brian Grant for Sean Kemp and Jermaine O'Neal for Dale Davis? Yes, on paper, that gives us more talent. But Damon mentioned that that team was so stacked that those guys already knew their role. They accepted not getting a lot of minutes. And that Sabas was getting up in age, so Brian would get those minutes, especially on the second night of a back-to-back when you would rest him, and that Jermaine knew his time was coming. So he he wanted, after that Game 7 defeat, he wanted to come back with that same squad. You know, I do know they were, what, 45? They were in first place in the Western Conference at the All-Star break the following year in 2001. 
uh, before they signed, I think, Strickland and Detlef Shrimp again, and it just all went to hell, ended up finishing seventh. They get bounced by, like, San Antonio or Dallas. That was the Lakers again. We had three oh, straight yeah. Yeah. Well, Laker um, defeats, which makes my skin crawl. But that's just an, an interesting take that they weren't that distraught over the game seven loss. Like they wanted to run it back essentially. Continuity's bad thing to shake up, man. And especially when you have a chemistry that it's almost like a family dynamic where, yeah, we may look crazy as hell from the outside, but this is our family and we have each <laughs> other's backs. But if you throw in, if you just remove maybe some of the stableness of that family, which definitely was Brian Grant, you know, the heart and soul of that team. I think that's where they lost a little bit of it, and it, there just wasn't enough glue to hold it together. I'm sure Pippen and Sabonis could only do so much, uh, Steve Smith as well. So it's just unfortunate. I would have loved to have seen that team come back again, but I'm, I'll definitely check out that, that documentary, and hopefully it makes its way on the Internet soon. Again, one hand, happy it's on HBO because we can tell more stuff, but I don't have HBO, so that's kind of a bummer. Well, we'll figure it out for sure. All right. Wait. Sage, what do, you, what do you remember about those teams? Uh, you were what? Just a wee ten, lad. Nine, ten. But you remember that, that team? I, yeah, def- I mean, I was, I was in Oregon, so I definitely remember them just being super talented and super badass. I, I don't remember, I don't know any of those stories, but man, they were fun to watch. And it was, I, I just enjoyed watching them play. I, I don't know any of the stuff, but I do want to hear Evan's story, but I have to take a leak. <clears throat> Of course you do. <laughs> I piss almost every podcast. Every podcast. <laughs> I made sure to go right before. I yeah. We handled our business before, Sage. Well, kudos to you. I have to pee. <laughs> I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk too much shit because I because then in two minutes I'm gonna have to piss too. <laughs> but I'm holding it. <sighs> yeah, this doc. The document will be insane. I used to work at uh, Just Sports. At all locations, Clackamas, Lloyd Center, and Washington Square, and I ran into all those guys all the time. When did uh, Just Sports um, originate? What year? Oh, God. It's a good question. So they were first started in, like, Idaho or Montana, and it was just, it's just like a West Coast type thing, but they got bought a couple years ago by the same ownership group that owns the Utah Jazz. Oh, yeah. Um, so now they own all of it. But yeah, I mean, I've met Sheed's a really nice guy. I've met Zach Randall a few times. I got a great Jeff McGinnis story. You'll love this. So Jeff McGinnis played, had a short stint with us. Um, yep. Traded him he, for D Miles. Exactly. So he was in one of the just sports and, uh, the night before the Blazers had just lost like a really close game. And this kid, maybe 10, 11, 12 years old, walks up. He's like, Hey, man, can you sign this hat? Like he just bought a Blazer hat. Can you sign it for me? He's like, Yeah, cool. And the dad was like, Hey man, that was a tough loss last night. And Jeff McGinnis looks at him and his kid and he's like, win or lose, I get paid the same, man. <laughs> and that's all he said. And I'm like, that's good. I'm glad he's on our team. Oh Jeff my McGinnis. God. Jeff McGinnis. Yeah, that dude has some, some baggage if, if the rumors are correct, but, um, Let's, you said you had a story. Let's hear that story first, Evan. Oh, God. So. If, if you don't want to, you don't have to. No, I love it. Cause it's not like a, <laughs> I'm not defaming the guy or anything like that. Like, it's just a, a funny story that you'd see in like a comedy sitcom. So, uh, over the years, I've not been a big fan of local columnists 
uh, and don't call him a beat writer because he gets really angry. He's a columnist or a journalist, uh, John Canzano. He and I have not saw, seen eye to eye on a lot of stuff. Like a lot of people don't like him. Um, so a little backstory back in the day at my old ad agency I used to work at, I would like write him emails, like constructive emails, not liking his articles. And he would fire back and say all this stuff. He threatened to get me fired once. He claimed he knew my bosses and all this bullshit, which was not true. So he and I had a little bit of history like over the internet. So a couple years, I don't know, four or five years ago, Dustin, I don't know when it was, but when the Portland State hosted the Big Sky Championship. 2008. 2008. So six oh, eight years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was very excited. I'm a, I'm a Portland State alum. So I was very excited. Um, so I got to the game super early, like before anyone, literally before anyone was even in the building. I don't even know how I got in. Oh, the so, start center. <laughs> Oh yeah. So, so this, this was at the no. The, this was yeah. It was at, at the Rose Garden. ESPN oh. was televising us, baby. It was it was big time, <laughs> big time. So uh, I get in there. I don't know how I got in there, but I get in there. I go down to like the lower bowl. Literally, no one's in the arena except for John Canzano is sitting on the baseline by himself on his phone. So I'm like, ah oh, man, he and I don't see eye to eye, but he obviously doesn't know who I am. So I was like, I'm going to go up to him. I'm going to be cool. I'm not going to be a dick at all and just try to talk to him and see like what kind of guy he is. So I went and sat next to him and he, he didn't like look up at all from his phone. Like he's just on his phone basically the entire time. And, uh, I, at the time I brought up, I think Odin had just suffered his second injury or something was going on with Odin. So I kind of threw that out there and he was like, gave some canned answer. Like he was just not interested in talking to me at all. So after, after a few minutes, we're just sitting there. Um, a Portland State cheerleader walks out and um, she was a really sweet girl, really, really nice looking girl, really sweet. And uh, he perks up immediately. And so he starts talking to her. And I'm not I'm not going to say that he was hitting on her because I don't know the dude. I don't know how he rolls like that. But he was definitely more interested in talking to her than me. And uh, he said something like, man, uh, God, what do you say? He said something about like, do you have a twin sister? Because I swear I just saw a girl that looked just like you. And she was just like, I know. I don't know what you're talking about. So she like grabs something and walks off. He goes back to his phone and he's just like, all right, man, uh, I got to run. Keep in mind, the arena is completely empty. So he stands up while on his phone, walks along the sideline, turns, walks up about 15 rows and just sits down in another chair and just continues on his phone. <laughs> but his whole thing, like, man, I got to run. I got to go. Like, no, he just didn't want to talk to me anymore. And he just he got up and it no, but the funny thing is like, you can do that in an arena full of people and I wouldn't notice. There's no one else in the arena. I'm watching you do this. Well, I think that just goes to show how many fucks he gave that day, and there was zero fucks. Many, many, yeah, many, many, many days. It was amazing. It was amazing. But speaking of local radio guys, shout out, and we brought up 1080 the fan earlier, shout out to Big Souk and uh, Rob, a couple of my favorite dudes, but they're big M supporters, and Wolf Odie. The other day, Souk was wearing a Wolf Odie beanie on air, so shout out to them. I don't know if you guys are down with them. But I am. Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? Hey, they're nice dudes. They're yeah, they're they're big Eminem supporters. As long as they're Eminem supporters, I'm cool with it. Uh -oh. oh, they're cool, and they don't like Kanzano either. I assume so. That's crazy, dude. Yeah, it was so hilarious. They, uh, how did they find out about the the beanie? Did you give it to him to wear his promotion, or did he just have it? No, one of them, one of them reached out to me on Twitter and said that they were a big fan. And then I told, I think it was Rop originally reached out to me. So then I sent him a few shirts and then Suk wanted to get in the mix. So I sent him some stuff too. 
But it was one of those things where, like, I, I sent one of the things I sent it to the station, and I'm sure they get sent it all the time and all that. Mm-hmm. But like the next day after I had sent it, someone had like texted me like, "Hey man, turn on 1080 the fan, the simulcast on TV. He's he's rocking the beanie." So yeah, shout out to them. One day, Dustin, that will be us. Yeah, well, you'll be wearing my stuff. Well, free. I already do, but <laughs> good point. It's a good point. Speaking of free Evan M gear, we have our holy backboard bracket uh, tournament challenge still going on on ESPN. It is the final four. So if you had Villanova, Oklahoma, Syracuse, and North Carolina, kudos to you. Go buy yourself a damn Powerball ticket. I don't think anybody had those four teams in there. But right now, it looks like Sly Poker Dog from Rift City Two is currently ahead just by ten points, but. Evan, you have Oklahoma, and so does another uh, Duvalier has Oklahoma as well. So you have a chance to win your own T-shirt. Um, that'd be that'd be dope. I've only that got would be like cool, I guess I've got like a hundred of them right now, so <laughs> I could just keep rocking it. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it now. I hadn't even looked at it. I know I picked Oklahoma, but that's about all I remember because I don't watch I don't want to watch a lot of college basketball during the season to be honest. Um, but Oklahoma, like, I knew nothing about Oklahoma. Like, literally nothing. So, you didn't know the God, buddy? I Not until the tournament. I mean, I knew of him, oh, but okay. not, All right. not not his, not his how significant he was until now. I was first place in this league for a while, and then Notre Sage, Dame lost. The Sage Curse did not win Buddy Heal. No. Wait, so Sly's bracket of truth. He's winning right now. Yep. He's got a, he's got a 91.7%. Shout out to Sly, man. Yeah, he and I were fighting for first place for a while. I know, and they get to choose which color. There's red and there's white, and they can choose. I just got restocked on the red one. Sold a bunch of the red ones, so I had to restock. I'm wearing the M t-shirt. I'm looking fly, man. You know. That's what I'm talking about. Bro, I get mad compliments about this P-Town is down shirt, bro. Good, and I hope you tell them. I remember when I first came out with that shirt, it was the very first shirt I'd ever done, and I had this, this photo shoot with a bunch of models. And nice. Yeah, and, and they're, you know, they're all my friends, but they're all my friends, my really good friends. Nice. And I, my friend was like, yeah, I get hit up all the time about this shirt and where, you know, like, where do you get it? And I asked her, I'm like, what do you tell them? And she's like, I have no fucking clue what your website is. I'm like, oh, well, that helps me none at all. Not for you. I always, I always tell them people be, are hitting me up about that shirt, DM on Twitter and stuff. I well, always, send, I always send them to the Evidem. I mean, we're homies. We gotta represent. Sage, can you believe this is our second-to-last regular season podcast? That's sad. I mean, the second-to-last, the, the Blazers, they're going... This is literally the stretch run, pushing for the playoffs. Uh, after tonight's victory over the Sacramento Kings, the Trailblazers sit 39-36, and 36, get a little bit of help from the San Antonio Spurs, who have taken back-to-back games from Memphis Grizzlies. Portland is just three back in the lost column, and... They have the conference tiebreaker by one game. Uh, I'm not sure what the tiebreaker goes beyond the conference. I know it's head to head, then it's division, uh, then it's conference. Obviously, we're not in the same division, so it goes to conference. Looking at Memphis's schedule, though, there is a real it's chance real. that Portland that they can they can pass them. You wouldn't think so with just uh, seven games to go, but looking at Memphis's schedule, they have Denver. In Toronto, both at home. They go to Orlando, Chicago at home. They go to Dallas, Warriors at home. They finish the season at Los Angeles Clippers, at Golden State Warriors. 
Uh, Zach Randolph didn't play tonight. I think Conley's probably still out. Obviously, Marcus Gasol's out. They traded Courtney Lee. Uh, they, Mario Chalmers tore his AC, or his Achilles, playing with a bunch of 10-day contract players. Uh, this is not your typical, uh, fifth seed. So, if the Blazers are, are serious about getting this fifth seed, and I think they should because the Clippers provide the only legitimate chance of advancing out of the first round for this Portland team, uh, Portland needs to handle, handle their business this next week, and it is probably the toughest stretch uh, remaining for the Trailblazers. They have uh, two days off before they take on the Celtics on Thursday at home. Uh, they follow that up with a Saturday night contest against the Miami Heat, who are playing better as of late. And then a back-to-back against the one team you do not want to see, especially on their home floor, uh, the Golden State Warriors. So, Sage and Evan, let's go into this this Celtics game on Thursday. Uh, it was probably one of the bigger butt kickings Portland suffered early on in the season. It was a 116-93 to loss in Boston uh, earlier this month on March 3rd. Portland had no answer for Isaiah Thomas, who had 30 points. And Boston really broke that game open in the third quarter by outscoring our Trailblazers 30 to 12. Sage, you love this Boston team. You love Brad Stevens. They do present a tough matchup for Portland because they have the guards to kind of stifle our, our guards. And as the Trailblazers, as our guards go, the Trailblazers go. So if you kind of, you know, take our guards away. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. Flooding. How, how can Portland beat this Celtics team? Well, I don't know if Jay Crowder's playing, but that, I mean, if replacing Jay Crowder's defense with Evan Turner's defense is a pretty big, uh, mismatch. So, I mean, I, Avery Bradley is just, I, he works like a dog every single game, plays amazing defense. So if Jay's out, that's one extra person that isn't a lockdown defender. So maybe one of the players goes off. But I, I think it's all about being well rested, which we are, because we were it, like we went on a string of games when we played Boston in Boston. So actually being well rested, not having Jay Crowder. I mean, we ju- we just have to establish that this is the team. And Big John better hit me up about a Gangstar track. <laughs> yeah, and you're right about being well rested. I believe Portland got off to a 12 point lead at one point in the first quarter. Um, CJ started out five for five and unfortunately he missed his final eight shots. Uh, Dame was just eight of 17. So definitely not the production Portland needs from their guards. But to me, the keys to the game are in four categories. Looking back, I think this is where the game was won for Boston and lost for Portland. First and foremost, turnovers. 14 for Portland, just five for Boston. Uh, Boston is number five in points off of turnovers at 18.4, so they definitely ate uh, at that end of the court. And Portland has to do a better job. You cannot let a team take that good care of care of the basketball. You have to shorten the amount of possessions that they have over the course of a game. Fast break points, 32-11. The Celtics outscored Portland last meeting, and which is uncharacteristic for Portland because opponents only get about 11 a game, which is fourth best in the league for the Trailblazers. So. Celtics were able to triple that total against Portland, and that's what really broke the game open in that third quarter with Isaiah Thomas just zip-zooming around uh, our defense. Uh, points in the paint, 60-34. to 34. Portland gave up 60 points. Nearly half of Boston's points, more than half of Boston's points, came in the paint. Um, 
It's not surprising because Boston is seventh in the league in, in points in the paint, but that's at 46. So they're getting 14 above their average. And Portland usually does a pretty good job of guarding the paint. Despite not having a real rim protector, they only give up 41 in the paint, which is sixth best. And then lastly, offensive rebounds. Boston had 19 that game. With the way they were shooting the basketball, you could not let them have 19 extra possessions. Um, Boston is third in the league in second chance points at 14.3. Can Portland use that crowd and get their own second chance points? Because they're fourth at 14.1. So that's going to be a battle right there. Second chance points. Who's going to want it more? Um, we have to take, we have to take care of the ball. Mm -hmm. I feel like most of the things you just said in the keys to the game were we gotta, we gotta get that defense off balance. Because when that defense is established, that's where the steals come in, the fast breaks, the turnovers. I mean, people say that there's not many differences in the Celtics and the Blazers. And I see a huge one. Darren Ehrman's scheme is much better than ours. And then the players that are willing to play that defense do it and do it extremely well. We don't have the Darren Ehrman defense. We don't have the the Mike Malone defense. So what they do is follow the scheme and the structure that Darren Ehrman set and ex execute extremely well. Yeah, I think Isaiah Thomas has to be key. He was just causing havoc, getting anywhere he wanted to. Like Reggie Jackson, like a lot of the point guards that go up against our defense, they just have their way. I think if he has a big night, there's no chance for Portland to win this game. Uh, Evan, can the Blazers slow down Isaiah Thomas and the Boston offense? Yeah, I mean, I think they can. I was looking back at the loss that we had. I remember the first time we played Boston. I know people don't like to talk about schedule losses, but the fourth of five on the road, and we had three wins. The You know, two of the games were tough against Chicago and Indiana, and then we blew out the Knicks, but Sometimes those games, when you, when you see them come out, like you'd mentioned at the beginning of that game, the Blazers were playing really well and it just looked like they hit a wall. Um, so this game I think is going to be much interest, much more interesting. We're coming, we're going to have a few days rest. I checked the Boston's schedule. They're also going to have a few days rest. So unfortunately they're not going to get the same treatment that we had of, you know, a back to back type situation. Um, the thing I like about looking at their roster right now is that Mo Harkless has been playing pretty well at the starting four. And I know that we talked about it's going to be situational for who's starting, but I think that their lineup plays into Harkless starting because you have Amir Johnson, who's a six-nine power forward, who does play well with his back to the basket. Yeah, he's beefy. He's beefy. Yeah, so you got to punt guard him because Selinger's not. I mean, Selinger kind of steps out, but his big butt will push Mo Harkless out of the way for rebounds. Yeah, but and well, then you got to think of the, the reserves. You got Jonas Derebko coming off the bench, who he stretches it out for sure. Um, and then to your point, Sage, we don't know if Jay Carter's going to play or not. He, he didn't play tonight in Los Angeles against the Clippers, and the Clippers uh, waxed him 114-90. to uh, Evan Turner got the start in his place uh, in 32 minutes. Turner just had four points on two of eight shooting. Yeah, he's I so mean, cocky. Oh, he's hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like some, Yeah, I follow some of the stuff on social media. I love it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that with a few days rest, I'm pretty optimistic about the, the Celtics game. Sage, what is your X factor? Hmm. I think it's the guard matchup. The, the, the two guards versus our two guards, man. If, if Isaiah can get free in the lane, Boston's gonna win. But if we can contain him, 
don't give up a lot of easy turnovers to Avery Bradley. We could win, but man, I think it's going to be a little tougher than uh, most people think because Boston's a really good team. I think it's going to be really tough as well. Uh, my X factor was pretty much all of those keys that I just listed off. Portland really has to flip the script on those categories, much like Boston did to us earlier in the month. Do you have a victory, Sage? I, 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 I'm going to go with Boston. Okay. I know Evans got the win. I yeah. Think, I think because it's at home, because we do have the two days off, uh, Stotts has shown that he can make adjustments. He'll have extra days to practice and look at the film. I think Portland gets it, especially if Jay Crowder's out. That is a huge boost for the Trailblazers. They need this more than, than Boston, uh, needs this. I'm, I'm gonna go Blazer victory and it's gonna, that would be what? Three straight victories and four out of the last five. Definitely something Portland needs as they head into the month of of April, which they do when they take on the Miami Heat, who maybe outside of Cleveland has the most talented roster in that Eastern Conference. Uh, they're 42 and 30 at the moment, fifth in the East. They're battling the Celtics for home court advantage right now. Uh, they are above 500 on the road, 18 and 17. And if we remember that last matchup, it was a 10 a.m. local start for the Trailblazers in, in Miami back on December 20th. Portland lost at 116 to 109. Uh, Bosch had 29. He took that game over late. It was Whiteside who had the presence early on. 22 points, 11 rebounds, 5 blocks. Gerald Green had 17 off the bench. Uh, Portland was led by 32 from Lillard to 20 from McCollum. But it just wasn't enough. Portland ran out of gas. Uh, but Sage, you watch a lot of, uh, other teams basketball. This is a much different Heat team than what we saw. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, with Chris Bosch being out, it's just going to change the offense a lot. I've seen that Goran Dragic has been playing a lot more freely with the adjustments. Amari starts, but man, Hassan gets significant minutes. Justin Winslow, who was a very good defender, gets significant minutes. This team has a lot of athletic defenders. Lucky for us, Beno Udra is off the team. Yeah, but, and Tyler Johnson's out for the year, too. Yeah. And he was taking Justice's minutes, too. So he he was balling, but... And it, how could we forget? They added Joe Johnson as well. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to go there. He chose yep. them over Cleveland. He it, did. The power forward that plays shooting guard, man. Uh, he he looks so stiff whenever I watch him. I just, I just see... Chris Weber at the end of his career, how stiff he moved, and that's Joe Johnson. But he he's getting significant minutes, like thirty five a game. So, Sage, what do you know about Josh Josh Richardson, the fortieth pick uh, in last year's draft out of Tennessee? Uh, I looked at his stats, and he's, he's killing it. Fourteen points on sixty percent shooting in his last ten games. Uh, where did this dude come from, and do you have kind of a mini scouting report of him? Is he uh, a perimeter player? Does he go down low? What does he do? You're putting me on the spot here. I just know that he's hyper-athletic. That's all I remember about him. This might be the first person I don't have a, a scouting report on, and I feel embarrassed. Are we talking about, who, are we talking about um, sorry, uh, Justice? No, jo- Josh. Josh Richardson. He has been playing a lot of minutes for this. He played on Tennessee. It and was the second round pick. Yeah, which I already said. Thanks for regurgitating my, my <laughs> notes, Steph. Oh, are we fight? Are we fighting? No, 
<laughs> Let's go, buddy. I'm sorry I don't remember Josh Richardson. I know that his stats are impressive. Yeah, in the last 10 games, he's averaging 14, shooting 60% from the field. <laughs> wow. See, Evan wasn't totally listening, too. <laughs> yeah, no, well, wait, is that what you just said? Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Sorry, I had someone on one of my group me's actually have a heat-related question that he wanted me to ask on the podcast. Oh, all right. So there, I mean, I was reading it. Well, so so what's the question? My buddy who uh, I started, or he started the Wolf Odie, the clothing line, He uh, his name's Nat, he asked, how much should the Blazers offer Hassan Whiteside this offseason? I think he's half joking. Ooh. I think I there's a little little bit of sarcasm in it. I don't like his tood, man. That's the only thing I don't like about him. That's what that's why I think he was being sarcastic. Yeah, that, that that attitude's kinda of bad. I see him do a lot of questionable stuff. I mean, like if this was two K, I'd offer him a max, but it's not two K. Chemistry and personalities matter. He so seems I, to be taking his bench role all right. I mean, he's dominating. I think he had like 26 and 11. Yeah, I mean, you get to go against second string defensive players a lot of the time. But I mean, he's getting major minutes. He's just not starting. I mean, we all know it's who finishes the game rather than who starts it. And he's definitely going to get the max, whether that's from Portland or another team. I, I don't think there's a question there. I wouldn't be mad if we went after him. Um, Portland definitely needs a rim protector. And I, I think... I think Damien's a better leader than anybody on the Heat. I think Wade and Bosch are just a little too old, and they're more of just like, you're either with us or I'm not going to put in the, the effort to try and lead you. I think Dame's kind of a lead by example. We'll really try to take people and make them better. So I think a situation in Portland would work. Miami offers up a lot of distractions, man. That that South Beach nightlife. You come to Portland, let's just go to ground control, drink a couple paps, and play some NBA jam. Uh Oh, is hell that, yeah. Is that a date? I mean, yo, are you, are you offering that uh, for a... That's a, that's, a, that's a bro night out. <laughs> let's let's go, Hassan. You know, I'll show you what porn's all about. It's a bro down. I'm going to totally make that a commercial now. I mean, most strip clubs per capita, most microbrews per capita. What else does an NBA player want? That's a good question. <laughs> Legal Legalized uh, weed? No sales tax. I mean, Jesus, we're just pretty much doing Neil Olshay's work for him right now. Yep. But back to, back to the Heat. I Except think that, we're way more flyly dressed right now. I think the Heat is going to be a very difficult game just because they have so much talent and Whiteside was such a pest for Portland to handle. Uh, it was Wade and it was Drogic, and they were running that pick and roll, and he was just slam slamming everything home against Portland in that last meeting. And as we've seen with with bigs, Portland has a tough time with those athletic bigs like Andre Drummond. And uh, can Portland withstand that stage? And, and dude is strong. That is one thing people don't say. He is well built and muscular. He is a strong athletic center. I don't know if we can contain him. I, I don't even like. Would you put Myers on him just to piss him off? He's injured. Well, yeah, it, if Myers were playing. If Myers were playing. Oh. Um, yeah, Myers, I think, is your best bet. He's the most athletic and strong of our bigs. Uh, I think you just have to make it so the guards know they can't let penetration happen. You have to fight through screens and get over and get in front of the guard. But have we then, ever done that, though? But that's what you have to do. That's yeah. If you want to stop, that's how you have to do it. Yeah. But this could be a game where we might get a schedule victory because... 
this is Miami's last West Coast road trip of the season, and pretty odd that it's happening this late in the season. Uh, they're in Sacramento the night before, and it's their third game in four nights, so it ends their West Coast road trip. Portland uh, will have the night off, hopefully after a victory over the Celtics, so the Blazers should be more well-rested. Uh, I think it's going to be a game either decided by the three-point line or by the paint. Uh, Portland is a fantastic three-point shooting team. Uh, they take 29, they make 10, and they shoot it at about a 37% clip. Those are all number five rankings in the NBA. The Heat, that's not their MO. They're all about the paint because they are 27th in free throw attempts, 18. They're 28th in, uh, in makes, 6. And they shoot just 33%, which is 25th. Uh, if you can get to a three-point shooting contest with the Heat, that's something I think you should encourage and would really help Portland out. Uh, however, Miami gets 46% of their points in the paint, fourth most in the league. Portland just gets 37% of their points in the paint, 27th. Uh, we cannot let them do maybe what Boston did to us last time when they got 60 in the paint. Mm. Can't win a game like that. Uh, those are my X factors. I think Portland's going to find a way to win, though. We were, we're, we're a better shooting team at home. We're a more comfortable shooting team at home. Guys like Crab and Henderson, uh, Harkless, Aminu, they all shoot better when they know they're in their home gym. Exactly. I think, I think our bench guys are going to have a big night. So if the bench does well, we're going to get this dub. I think we're going to get a big win. Uh, what do you say, Sage? I think uh, Miami's a fantastic defensive team, even with Amari Sotomayor. Yeah, they're like fourth best in the league yeah. at fourth per game. Yeah. So even with Amari Sotomayor starting, they're still an elite defense. So, I mean, with Justice, Luol Deng, Whiteside, all those defensive players, we gotta, we gotta be very efficient. So I but think efficiency. Thankfully, they do not have any guard defenders. Well, Dwayne Wade for a few minutes. Yeah. So they do, you're right. They do have the front court, but I'm just saying yeah. our guards could eat in this game. Yeah. Uh, but man, I, th- I think we're going to win, but I think it's going to be close. I, I think we gotta be tough with Dwayne Wade and his penetrations, and if Lauren plays, cause he's, he was out, uh, I mean, we gotta be tough, don't let him get in the middle, which isn't our strong suit, but just be tough with him, and I think we'll get the dub. What do you think, Evan? Can we make it back-to-back wins on, on this week? Yeah, I mean, I think so, and it goes back to your point of Miami's schedule, the whole West Coast road trip and then playing the night before. I don't think a lot of people take that into consideration as much as they should, because that stuff really does matter. We see with the Blazers all the time at the end of road trips or back-to-backs on the road. If they do get the win, and if they do beat Boston, I think they have to try to convince Dame to not play the Sunday at Golden State. Yeah, and, and you got to look at it as a throwaway game and just let him get rest. And it's it's going to be tough again because he loves playing in Oakland. That's like he's, he'll probably have 40, 50 people there to watch him. But, I mean, if you have him sit out, then he can sit out Sunday, Monday, and then play the terrible Sacramento Kings on Tuesday and go from there. Yep, and, you know, it's a perfect transition into the last game of the week, uh, the Golden State Warriors. And for those that don't know, I usually spend about 20 to 25 minutes on each opponent taking notes, writing them down, so we can discuss them on this podcast. I was doing... Hashtag dedication. Hashtag dedication. I was doing it today during my, my lunch break because I knew we had a podcast after tonight's game. I got to the Warriors game and I said, screw it. Um, <laughs> there, there are no notes for the Warriors. This team is just on another level. They are 66 and seven. They only need 
seven more victories. So seven and two to, to break the all-time record uh, of the Chicago Bulls from 1996. And if their schedule holds true to form, they have the Wizards on Tuesday, a back-to-back in Utah, which could be a trap game, a Friday against the Celtics, and then the Blazers. So they theoretically could be 69 and seven or 68 and eight. Either way, they're going to, they're, they're chasing history. They want this as they should. You don't get this close and then say, no, we're going to throw it away. Uh, you get there as, you try to get there as close as you can. They're not going to be taking Portland lightly. They know what Portland has done to them in the past, but I think this is going to be the first time in NBA history a team goes undefeated at home. Uh, they're, I thought some random team was going to beat them. I thought it was going to be us last time, but uh, they're just a different animal at home. Sage, is there any way Portland can make this competitive? No, I mean they're they're playing for history, man. History. I, I that 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 team's gonna. I don't know. It, when you're not optimistic about the game, it gives me pause to be optimistic about it because. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he predicted it last time. Dustin yeah. predicted the win last time. Yeah, I was on the podcast. Yeah, well, the last I, time I, I went out on a limb more than plenty for the Blazers against the Warriors two times this year to be, to be exact. I think I've earned the right to be overly pessimistic about this one. Fair enough, and I, I, I understand and I agree. That team, I mean, they're chasing history. They're more intelligent than every team. They're a better offense than every team. They're a great defense. I guess we chopped this one up to an L. I mean, I'm sure Evan's got the knowledge drops right there. Knowledge drops <laughs> off. No, so I mean, I do think that if if they were to beat Boston and Miami this week, the Blazers, I think that you sit game and you play a lot of bench guys. And here's one reason why. Do like a little pop move where, say, if we were to fall to eight, which I don't think we're going to, you're going to play Golden State. So don't give them anything. I know we played them not that long ago, but don't give them anything. But if we also snuck up and got the five seed and somehow beat the Clippers and you're playing Golden State in the second round. So I'd pull one of those pop moves and just don't show them anything. Just go through the motions. I don't, I'm not saying throw a game, but get guys like, uh, Mo Harkless, get Bonley a bunch of minutes and Pat Connaughton and Ed exactly. Davis. Just Fine don't offers. see how they react to being the man instead of a supporting role. So a guy like Harkless, yeah, it's easy when, a, when Damon CJ are out there controlling the game, but Kind of, you know, throw them out there and see, okay, how can you do with being the alpha on this team on offense? Um, same goes for Alan Crabb and Gerald Henderson. Like, show us something. And I think yeah. a lot goes into that. And I think it would actually benefit this team going into the playoffs because they have that confidence knowing that, hey, if Dame or CJ is having a, a tough night, I know I can step in, step in and help this team out. With that said, you know, they're not going to rest Dame, unfortunately. Um, you mentioned he's going to have a ton of fans in the house. That's probably the games he looks forward to the most. Um, if he does play, hopefully we keep it close. I, you know, but I just, I don't know. I think the key again is Clay Thompson. We've said this time and time again on this podcast. You cannot let him go off. You know, Steph is going to get his 30. That's what the dude averages as unreal as that seems, but you can't let Clay get that 35, 40 points. You're not going to beat them with their backcourt scoring 70. But I mean, if we put Al Farouk on him, let Harrison Barn have CJ. I mean, there are ways we can counter it, but man, that's history, man. Save it for the playoffs if you play him. Exactly. Save it. Yeah. I and mean, that, save all those weird looks and the off chance that you play him in the playoffs. And I mean, the reason Pop does that stuff so frequently is for championships. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, we got to get one before we can do that. Look what he did tonight. Look at tonight. Like, he sat Duncan, Parker, Ginobili, and someone else. Kawhi. Yeah, and then they go out and win. And Kawhi. Yeah, and then they go out and win. They sat LaMarcus the game before, all those plus LaMarcus, and still beat Memphis. Yeah. I mean, they're they're winning with Kevin Martin, Andre Miller, Kyle Anderson, uh, Boris Diaw, uh, that big guy, Boban. Boban, yeah. I love it. They just have a system in play. But to be honest, I would take a two and one week and run. I think, I think Portland could actually lose two games the rest of the way and still get the fifth seed. That's because Memphis is in such disarray right now and their schedule is tough. I would prefer Portland only losing one, but you have to concede that game to Golden State. And if Portland go two and one, I think they're, they're going to really challenge for that fifth seed. And if you're a Blazer fan, that's what you should really be looking for because me and Sage discussed this on the podcast last week. We think we could take the Clippers. Evan, I'm going to ask you the same question we got asked last week. How many games do you think the Trailblazers would win in a series against the top four seeds out West? So you're talking Golden State, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, and Los Angeles. So, like, go down the list? Yeah. Uh, I think we get swept by Golden State. Okay. I think... I think we could get one in San Antonio because San, it's weird. It seems like sometimes in San Antonio, some of these series, these series, they'll kind of concede one to you just to go get one back at home. So well, I, yeah, I, especially I in the first round, because if you remember in 2014, Dallas actually took them to seven. Yeah. And then they, at game seven, they just ran through the rest of the league. Yeah. So I could see the, the Blazers get one. I could see them dropping the first two. Is it two, 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 one? Yeah, the first one, one, one. Yeah, so I could see them winning like game three, um, against OKC. I mean, God, they won eight straight and they looked really good tonight against Toronto in Toronto. Um, I could see them winning one or two and then I could see them maybe beating the Clippers. I could see them. Yeah, I mean, I could see them. They have a fighter's chance against the Clippers. I think, especially, I mean, the whole Blake Griffin game is going to be so interesting. Them trying to work him back in. He's serving a four-game suspension now, so he'll be back by, like, the end of this week, I believe. Because today was his first night. I think they're saying by the end of this week he could be playing, but. Yeah. It's going to be, I don't know if you saw that Paul Pierce, not that Paul Pierce is doing anything. It was any, gross. Any, not that he's doing gross. anything, but it looks like he might not be playing for them. Did you go, did you see that injury? I did. It was gross. Did you see Kelly Linux reaction? Yeah, that was easy. That was scary. I, mean, I, actually, I actually didn't see it. I saw the tweet and then the link, and I'm like, I'm not going to watch that. I heard it was bad. I heard it was real bad. It was yucky. Um, yeah, I mean, Dustin and I have a T-shirt of yours bet. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Dustin's willing to take it, but I, I, I don't think we'll win a game against any of those three. I think we will. Sage, you're, you're player hating right now. So I, I mean, are we are we going to? Don't Do underestimate the power of the Rose Garden, man. Yeah, exactly. I want to see how the team is playing heading into the playoffs. I, I feel like that's a fair Oh, okay. Note. I thought we were going to do it while the designer of the shirt was here. Oh. All right. All right. Maybe I'll change my tune. Um, okay, so it would be interesting because I really like the way that Al Farouk Aminu has been playing lately, obviously on offense, and I think it gives him confidence on, confidence on defense. But I would love to see him match up against Kevin Durant in the playoffs. Um, see, but, I don't even, I don't even think it's Katie or, or Russ that poses the biggest threat with OKC. Their bigs just surge so and much havoc. Kent and Adams and Cantor, yeah. 
and, and even Collison. Uh, so those four, it, it's in Cantor, especially offensively, just we have zero answer. They're just so bulky and they are pretty damn agile. Um, Adams brings the defense. Cantor brings the offense. Abaka does a little bit of everything. And Nick Collison's in there, just that wily veteran to get underneath your skin. We just don't have the, the beef down low to, to handle those guys. And when you have, uh, so much focus interior that just leaves extra room to operate for Katie and Russ. Uh, like I said, it took Dame scoring 17 points in a three minute stretch to win a game at home. Uh, OKC is actually the team I least want to see. So either Portland needs to get up to fifth or we need to drop down a couple of notches because I do not want to see the Thunder in that first round. Yeah, not the way they're playing. It's scary. I think it's just a poor matchup for the Trailblazers, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, because to your point with the bigs, I mean, if nothing else, at least Myers was a seven foot three body that could that you could throw at someone, right? Mm, I mean, yep. he's going to give you more of a fit than uh, Alfred Camus, Mo Harkless. I mean, I love Ed Davis and Mason Plumley, but I mean, they're pretty small dudes for their size. Like they get thrown around a little bit. So at least Myers was a body, and you know, it'd be crazy to think. But if we had a matchup like that, you might be seeing some came in time. Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> All six right, fa- go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say six fouls. Yeah, that's true. I, Cliff Alexander as well. If we're talking six fouls, <laughs> true. That's very true. So Sage, I think every podcast until the end of the year, we need to keep. You know, where do you think the Blazers are going to end up? What seed do you have them finishing with, buddy? I'm going six right now. Six. What about you, Evan? Um, so the Mavs are out. They're number nine right now. Utah's eight and two in the last ten. Uh, I think they'll stay six. I think they're gonna yeah. stay six. I've got Portland at fifth. I think we're going to do a nice job of, of patrolling our schedule, winning the ones we should win. And Memphis is gonna give us a lot of help because they are very banged up. Uh, the one team I would actually, I'm more worried about is Utah. Uh, as you mentioned, they are clicking on all cylinders, just dismantled the Lakers. Tonight, I believe they gave them the worst loss in franchise history. It was, what, like 52, something like that. Uh, it's one of those games where it's so lopsided. You, yeah, 52. It takes for a while to do the math in your head. Rodney but, Hood had his fantastic game. He had yeah. Like 30 and, in the first half. And there's oh. that has the easiest schedule down the stretch. So of the four teams fighting for those three spots, are we all in unison that we think Dallas is going to get left out? I think so. I mean, I don't. Nothing Houston does shocks me, man. I could totally see them tanking it too because they are very dysfunctional as well. Like to well, think, to think going, coming into this year that they were going to be fighting for a playoff spot is incredible. After last year, when didn't they play last year in the Western Conference Finals? They did. Yeah, and they're fighting for a playoff spot this year. Like that, that's incredible to me. Well, I don't think they have any. Uh, if they tank, the pick goes to Denver. No, yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't mean tank intentionally. I mean but, I could yeah. just see the bottom falling out on them because they're so dysfunctional. Houston actually has a very easy schedule in April. So after they go to Cleveland on Tuesday, they get Chicago at home. Chicago's uh, just a hot mess. They get the Oklahoma City Thunder at home. After that Thunder game, it is smooth sailing at Dallas versus Phoenix versus Lakers at Timberwolves versus the Kings. I just don't see that's them. That's a lot of tanking teams. Yeah, they're going to go four now. Those those four games, those last four games. Yeah, I just Dallas with with Darren Williams hurt right now. Parsons out for the year. I mean, they've already been fading. 
Portland could have delivered the dagger if they would have been able to win in Dallas. So, uh, yeah, man. But they kept him afloat. So, I, I think Dallas is just, uh, they're, they're biding their time. Mm-hmm. But it, it's coming. The time is coming for Dallas. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to be a lottery team and they're going to be saddled with a couple of bad contracts. Who? Well, oh, besides Wes. That contract is terrible, dude. Yeah. That's one well, of the worst contracts in the NBA. That counts for at least two contracts. Oh, okay, all right. Well, Parsons, if they decide to re-sign him too, I don't. Why? Well, he he has the option. A, yeah, he has an option. He yeah, might not stay there. That's, yeah, that's eighteen million. Yeah, but that's interesting because I, I was reading somewhere not that long ago that you that where like Orlando is he from Orlando or from Florida? Yeah, or something? He's from Orlando. The University of Florida. Yeah, so the Austin Rivers with buds in Orlando. Oh God. Austin yeah. Rivers. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a, that's a knowledge chart I have. <laughs> Austin Rivers. Woof. <laughs> All right. Did you guys get any uh any fan questions besides the one Evan dropped us? I didn't even ask. Uh, what about you? Uh, nada. Monday night was no bueno. Well, we have been talking for an hour thirty six. Yeah, so I think it's about time. Ooh, can I, can I give a quick, can I do a quick plug before we head out? Absolutely. Of course. Yeah, so like I'd mentioned earlier, um, I'm doing a collaboration with, um, a good friend of mine, Christian Lamontagne. He's a photographer and kind of like a creative director for a lot of stuff. Came to me with an idea and I don't have a ton of ironed out details yet. We're trying to keep it kind of low key, but September or September, Saturday, April 23rd, um, we are having a pop-up product release party at Prospect 215, which is in uh, Southwest Portland, downtown by Waterfront. It's on first. Everyone's inv- Any and everyone's invited. We're going to have a crazy art deco thing, free rosé, music, and we're going to be releasing um, this new collaboration. So April 23rd, Saturday, anyone's invited. We're looking about 7 o'clock at night. And uh, follow me on Instagram, EvanMPDX. Twitter, Evan and PDX. I will tweet out and do more details as they uh, they come to me. But um, yeah, that's coming up, and we're really excited about it. It's awesome. Yep. Well, thank you again for joining us on this podcast, Evan, and for designing our beautiful logo. Again, if you like what you're hearing, uh, go ahead, subscribe to our podcast, give us that five star rating on iTunes. Uh, you can also listen to this podcast on Stitcher or SoundCloud at Holy Backboard PDX. If you'd like to send us an email, we can be found at Holy Backboard PDX at gmail.com. And as always, we're on Twitter before, during, and after games at Holy Backboard. Any final words, Sage? If you guys are into hip hop, I'm going to release my first DJ mix April 1st for the, it's going to be my first mix in about three years. So I'm pretty excited about it. I've been working on it. It's going to be very immature music, but it's going to be fun. Uh, one of my favorite MCs, Jay Zone, is releasing uh, a record, and I'm doing a mix to uh, pay homage to his uh, career. He has some really fantastic beats. All right, looking forward to it. And as always, let's get these wins, Rip City. Let's keep this playoff push going. The strive for fifth seed. Let's go. Good night, Rip City. Let's-